A boy's best friend is his mother. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Man! Rocker! Oh, you're so cool, Brewster! I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? It was an asylum! And it was hell! 20 years of pure hell! Movies don't create psychos! Movies make psychos more creative! They're all gonna laugh at you! Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? Better give me those shoes, then mine give them back to me! How many times do I have to tell you Ursula Andres belongs with the transvestites, not the perverts? Oh, you heterosexuals. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. You're a bullshit artist! They're coming! They're coming! Welcome to Screaming Queens. The <laughs> <laughs> horror podcast with the queer eye view. Soggy We're all high on my special custards and soggy biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, And um, well, yeah. So, do you want me to take you back out, Stephen? <laughs> I just realised what this is going to sound like. <laughs> I've left Stephen's um, peppermint bag in. No, no, that's a- <laughs> <laughs> I just like to play with the bag. Okay. <laughs> I like to fund location. <laughs> Get your fingers wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long episode, everyone. Settle down. <clears throat> My name's Jonathan Larkin. I'm Jonathan Butler. I'm Stephen Moore. I'm Martin Fennessy. And in this episode of Screaming Queens, we're going to look at a seminal classic... The classic? Seminal. <laughs> <laughs> There's a special custard getting up again. Possibly the classic horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so no pressure there then. Mm. We're going to look at Psycho. First of all, so we thought, me and John thought we'd fill these other two in. <laughs> Live on air. Um, on um, The Void. Lost it last night. Me and Jonathan Butler went to see The Void last night at Fact in Liverpool. And uh, do you want to tell them a little bit about The Void, John? Can you remember the the plot, such as it was? The plot is kind of reminiscent of Assault on Precinct 13 from John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. Um, Police officer at the start, not really doing his rounds, he's just sitting, waiting, because nothing's happening. It's this small, kind of backwards town where nothing really happens. Then, all of a sudden... Sees someone fall out into the road, covered in blood. Probably doesn't usually happen there. Yeah, um, yeah, out of the blue. So he finds this guy, picks him up, takes him to the hospital. Then all of a sudden, the hospital is surrounded by cultists in mm. weird robes and knives. Sort of white KKK-type robes, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, with a triangle on the face. Yeah, a triangle on the face. Yeah, it goes down in a pretty fast rate, doesn't it? People start turning into monsters. And cutting their own faces off. Cutting their own faces off and cutting their own skin off and stabbing, yeah. stabbing people in the eye, which I... I, I, yeah, I've got a thing with eyes, so I didn't like that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be stabbed in the eye. Is this a plot? This is the plot, yeah. We can't. We don't want to give spoilers away to the viewer, to the listeners, and we don't want to give them to you either because because I think you both like it. Was it good? Mate? It's good. I I enjoyed it more because it it's kind of got there's like HP Lovecraft elements in there which I kind of mm. like as well. So I got a bit more out of it. But 
It's the cynical film. It's got a lot of John Carpenter elements, like the thing and his eighties stuff, and it's all practical effects as well. No CGI. Okay. It's cool. The uh, producers, well, the director, writing director, is a Canadian duo who kickstarted it. I think they raised money to make the film because they wanted to, um, you know, make a film without mm. CGI to, to see if it could be done and to see what it'd be like. So, if you like practical effects. You like something a bit different and you like 80s films, it's probably worth checking out. Yeah, so completely ripping people's faces off and eye gouging and stuff yeah. in practical effects. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so like dummies and prosthetics and makeup. Oh, and yeah, stuff I'd like watch that. it just for that. Yeah. Do Hellraiser in there as well? With, yeah, without giving the plot away, think Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. So, Deserted Hospital setting, yeah. which mm-hmm. always works for me. Halloween 2 meets Hellraiser. Yeah. With, with the thing. With the thing and. The Fulci film, The Beyond, which I don't think we've covered. Okay, we haven't. It's like that as well. Mm. With a lot of cult, a lot of 80s, t- 80s style um, sort of action, yeah, action-y little, type little comedy things. bits as well. Comedy. Some, some good moments. My personal thought was that it felt a bit unfinished. The script, mm. the script felt a bit unfinished. It felt like there were things that I thought it could have done that it didn't quite do. Um, I'm doing all this without spoilers but the gore is fabulous yeah. it's really like oh gloopy and oh, wow. entrails and guts and all that sort of stuff and the guys in the in the robes were really scary yeah it's good it's like they don't even have to do anything it's just, just, just stand there just sinister That's, yeah it's good. bit of the strangers in there as well okay yeah I do recommend it not a perfect film at all no not well not in his but nothing is and it's it's uh, it's yeah see if the special effects and it has got a nostalgic vibe to it. Mm. I thought some of the sound was a bit odd. I thought sometimes you couldn't hear what they were saying, but I don't know if that was just fact sound. Yeah, it could have just been there mixed, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, so is this like a preview that you've seen? Is it out on general release? No, I don't now think it's... Seen? It was on the festivals last year. Right. I don't think it's getting a full pro- a full release. It's getting a limited release in like picture houses mm. and stuff like that. Um, I think it's going on to streaming services and oh, is it? Blu-ray. Later this month. I'm just looking it up on Facebook. I think at the end of the month, I think it's out on Blue, uh, Blu-ray. And you can probably stream it on things like Amazon yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Pretty soon. 24th of April. Maybe not far off then. Yeah. It's coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, so I will get it. Cause yeah, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably, I'll probably, probably see it myself. I, I did enjoy it. I imagine there's a lot of good special features as well, because with the Kickstarter, if you put money in it, yeah. I think one of them was... If you pay five thousand dollars, you could get a producer credit in the film and go, you know, go on there. Um, That's amazing. Go on set and you know That'd see how brilliant. it all works and stuff like that. That would be cool. And I think there was one, and they sent you one of the masks, one of the prosthetic masks, masks they use for the monsters. If you paid so much money, they'd send you. Uh, John is also writing a review of it for the blog. So check it out; it'll be on there by the time you hear this. So that's Screaming Queens with a Z dot com, and um, yeah, check out his full review there. There probably will there be spoilers. I'm trying to keep it as spoiler-free. There'll be mild spoilers, but yeah. not. But I won't spoil the whole plot. Yeah, cool. So Psycho centres on an encounter between Marion Crane, who's like a secretary in some sort of real estate yeah. office or something, mm-hmm. 
um, in Phoenix, Arizona, and who embezzles some money from the office. And the strange Norman Bates, who is the owner, manager of the Bates Motel, the famous Bates Motel. It's everything that comes that comes from that. Marion Crane is an apparently respectable young woman who happens to be having an affair with a divorced man. The type of affair where they meet in hotel rooms that are rented by the hour. <laughs> um, and the film opens with a brilliant, just a, just a brilliant scene of Janet Lee and John Gavin. John. Uh, Gavin the man of my dreams <laughs> who is so sexy he is absolutely hot um, I can meet him in a hotel room <laughs> playing by the hour that's absolutely perfect like, he's, so con- he's like contemporary hot as well isn't yeah, he? yeah he really is he's just forever hot even though his pants are like by his nipples <laughs> are still hot yeah. and Janet Lee's pointy bra is perfect yeah and the, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting film because it's it it Smashes all sorts of barriers in a very, in quite a small, in a small way. But it was one of the first times where an unmarried couple had been had been shown in a mainstream film, <clears throat> sitting on the same bed, in the same room. Because with the production code, they weren't allowed to do that in film before then. Um, it's quite a revolutionary film, Psycho, in lots of. Um, Did they have a foot on the floor at all times? Ways. I don't know, didn't even see that. I don't think you get to see that. Yeah. They're actually just on the bed. Because we never make it past his tits or her tits, really. No, just yeah. no, I think you're just, a, you're just, a, you're just, yeah, your eyes are gripped by tits. <laughs> <laughs> um, so poor, um, poor Sam Loomis is um, a divorcee. He's paying alimony to his ex-wife. He's massively in debt. And that's those are the things that are preventing him settling down with poor Marion to marry new married life, um, and so the opportunity comes along where Marion is asked to deposit forty thousand dollars, which is something like three hundred grand in today's money, um, in the safe deposit box in the bank. But decides just to go home and start packing a suitcase straight away, and she drives off and ends up at the Bates Motel. Oh dear! In need of a shower. In need of a shower. Doesn't quite say anything more about this to the plot line because it'll probably come out as we discuss it. Really, if you yeah. have, if you don't know what happens, then I don't know how you're actually alive. That, yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, I um, had a wonderful experience because I, I was made up. I was so jealous. My boyfriend, he's not. He doesn't watch lots of horror. He didn't know the premise of this film at all, and I was so jealous that he got to watch this <laughs> film, so not knowing what the ending is, how it all pans out. I was so made up, you got to have that experience. Because yeah. I know, I I first saw this when I was 17, many, many years ago. I know it's hard to believe I was 17 when this film came out. You went, were you really? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I was going to say, no, I <laughs> I've just had a Rosen Island from Golden Girls moment. <laughs> um, but I, at 17, knew what the... Pl- yeah, I knew what the um, what the the ending of the film would be, um, but I think it just be I think it just be amazing to be able to have seen yeah. the film and not knowing. He really he really he really loved it. He was absolutely he, loved it. Like scared, gripped, shocked. He was gripped. 
he's very, very laid back, my boyfriend, so he's not one to be visibly scared and be shrieking all over the place. That's me. That's Martin's job. <laughs> That's my job. Um, but he was absolutely gripped. I was wondering, I sat there watching the film thinking, is he enjoying this, isn't he? I wasn't sure because he was so quiet. And I was thinking, is he just not really, is he hating this? Mm. He's not saying anything to me, but he absolutely loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. And I, and he hadn't cottoned on. That's such a good experience. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I love this film. Um, I love it so much it gets me a little bit like tingly and emotional sometimes because yeah. yeah. of the sheer craftsmanship yeah. of yeah. the way it's made. The emotion like, that makes you feel. It's just a brilliant film. It's one of those films, you know, if someone comes to me and says, I don't like Psycho, I just won't even talk to them again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, the way we were about The Exorcist. But yeah. but I sort of forgave you on that. Yeah. I'm working through it. I'm seeing the therapist. <laughs> but Psycho, I just, uh, if someone said they didn't like it, it'd be like, they'd tell me they don't like Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah. Do you know I just what I mean? don't understand, like, how you couldn't like this yeah. film. It's just literally perfect from yeah. beginning to end. Yeah. Everything can like. And I realised, I actually remembered, I had a similar experience to Matt because I knew what happened. But the first time I saw it, I had assumed different things. So mm. I knew there was a shower scene. I knew someone was stabbed to death in the shower scene. I knew Janet Lee was in the film. And I always assumed it was Janet Lee who was stabbed to death in the shower. But then when I, when I started watching it and it was like her film, I thought, oh, I've got it wrong then. So mm. it must be someone so, else yeah. who dies. So then I still did get a small element of surprise when she got killed. So, yeah. So that's good. That, but that's real. I'm really jealous of yeah. Matt that he. I was gonna say it add, the jealousy is strong now. It's yeah. like to be able to watch it for the first time and yeah. not untainted. Yeah. Yeah. I knew what was coming in the final bit, but I'd never seen the actual image of the final bit. But then that, because to me in my head, I always built it up as this great horror moment that I knew was going to happen, and I thought it was going to be really scary. And when it happened to me, I just burst out laughing. I couldn't breathe for laughing for about 15 minutes because I just thought it was hysterical. Which bit? Which final bit? The, the, the Mrs. Bates in the Mrs. chair? Bates. No, no. Mrs. Bates storming into the room. Oh, no. Bit. Storming Norman. <laughs> <laughs> and I just couldn't believe it. I was crying laughing. But see, that made me... When I first saw that when I was younger, that scared the shit out of me for some reason. And I don't know why, because it is quite funny and silly, but it really scared I've me. I enjoyed it more. Like The more I watch it now, I find it... I don't laugh. I get it now. Yeah. And I think it's great. But at the first time I watched it, I don't yeah. know why. I just expected I something different. I think I get sort of felt the same. First time I watched it, but I get more and more out of the film. Yeah. The more I watch it. And I think the watching it this time around, and particularly that scene, I was conscious thinking, I'm just going to find this, this that bit stupid. Mm. And actually when, when did she go burst through the door, I just find it completely grotesque. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. His face is completely grotesque. You can barely, you almost, you barely doesn't look like Anthony Perkins. He's, he's one of them actors who can mm. actually change his face. Yeah, because he's so good. Um, but yeah, I, I love it so much. So, the, so the horror genre's got this film to thank for a lot of things, hasn't it? Mm. So Halloween, obviously, Sam Loomis is the name of Donald Pleasant in Halloween. Nancy Stevens' character, the nurse in Halloween 1 and 2 and H2O, is Marion, named after Marion Crane. And obviously, Janet Leigh gave birth to <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, who um, became our screen. Loomis is in lots of films, the same Loomis. Billy Loomis in Scream. In Scream. Yeah. And I think there's some another character in another film, like Loomis is their first name, but I can't remember those. But it's just like 
it's all harking back to this, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think we said last time, well, it was one, in one of the episodes we said it's probably the first slasher film. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it does actually have the credentials to be a slasher film because people get slashed repeatedly in yeah. this film. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Um, although in the book, so uh, I, I read the book after seeing the film and was quite surprised by some of the things that happened in the book. Like he chops the heads off. Chops the head off the show, didn't he? Yeah. It's not really graphic. It says it was it was the knife. It was a kitchen knife to cut off her scream and her head. It's quite, it's quite <laughs> trashy. Yeah. It's quite trashy, but it's still uh, it's actually more violent. The book. Um, the film you know? is more sophisticated than the book. Yeah, yeah. Because I read the I've read the book. Yeah, did you like many it? many years many many years ago, and it is just it is just schlock. Yeah. And he's quite fat yeah. and likable, isn't he? Like he's meant to be like yeah. podgy mm. kind of gross kind of middle-aged man and not this boyish really gorgeous boy yeah I love him I would have I have such a crush on him yeah <laughs> your cat called on the Gremlins no my cat was called No My Bates oh I had to leave that with the axe we didn't talk about oh sorry I miss, I miss oh. him too much sorry little cat No My Bates he's the best let's get another one Oh, Marion Crane. Crane. I decided Lila. that Marion and Lila Crane get two. Yeah, I decided that um, from now on, if I have to check into anywhere with an assumed name, it's going to be Marie Samuels. Oh yes, <laughs> from Los Angeles. <laughs> hearing, hearing very obviously at the newspaper in the rag. Where should I? Where should I be? Los Angeles. Just take right down Los Angeles Gazette. Gazette. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was very childish, like you know. Like, that her alias was her boyfriend's name. It was like what you do in school when you oh, start putting, you yeah. put your crush's surname as your next to your name. You do in school. But you still do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does it at work. Do you wear it? Confidential report. Yeah. <laughs> post it now. It's, it's all around my computer screen. Do you know, I love every scene in this is just great. And I love even one of my favourite bits is the very beginning with it think it was daughter isn't it it's Patricia Hitchcock Patricia Hitchcock yeah. and he goes he was flirting with you I guess he must have seen my wedding so perfectly bitchy brilliant <laughs> she's just married Teddy and does he know that she's on tranquilizers and he's yeah. very happy Teddy, mm. Teddy was furious when he found out I'd taken tranquilizers yeah, I love it is Mr Lowry back from lunch he's lunching with a man who's buying the Harris Street property you know the oil lease man that's why he's late you got a headache Oh, it'll pass. Headaches are like resolutions. You forget them as soon as they stop hurting. Have you got some aspirin? Yeah. I've got something. Not aspirin. My mother's doctor gave them to me the day of my wedding. Teddy was furious when he found out I'd taken tranquilizers. Any calls? Teddy called me. My mother called to see if Teddy called. Oh, your sister called to say she's going to Tucson to do some buying and she'll be gone the whole weekend. And... fresh milk. Hey, you girls ought to get your boss to air condition you up. He can afford it today. <laughs> uh, Marion, will you get the copies of that deed ready for Mr. Cassidy? Uh, tomorrow's the day, my sweet little girl. Oh, oh, not, not you. My daughter, a baby. And tomorrow she stands her sweet self up there and gets married away from me. I want you to Take a look at my baby. <laughs> 18 years old. And she never had an unhappy day in any one of those years. Come on, Tom. 
My office is air-conditioned. You know what I do about unhappiness? I buy it off. Are, uh, are you unhappy? Not inordinately. I'm buying this house for my baby's wedding present. $40,000 cash. Now, that's, that's not buying happiness. That's just buying off unhappiness. <laughs> I never carry more than I can afford to lose. Count them. I declare. I don't. That's how I get to keep it. Tom, a cash transaction of this size is most irregular. Ah, so what? It's my private money. Now it's yours. Suppose we put it in the safe and then Monday morning when you're feeling good... Oh, speaking of feeling good, where's that bottle you said was in your desk? Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes I can keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Lowry, I am dying of thirstaroni. even want it in the office over the weekend. Put it in the safe deposit box in the bank and we get him to give us a check on Monday instead. He was flirting with you. I guess he must have noticed my wedding ring. I love it. it says so much about that character just in a couple of lines. Yeah, she doesn't really feature much, but she's perfect. Yeah. But also I think it's just, it's it's funny because she is so Plain. Yeah. She's just so not good looking. Yeah. Why would anybody be looking at her at all? Yeah, and I wonder whether I wonder whether the bitchiness is almost actually a, a, from her directed from her father at her, mm. making her say that line. That would be a very Hitchcock thing. Yeah. To do. He yeah, was so that sadistic. Yeah. Yeah. Sense of humor, yeah. Didn't yeah I think that's on purpose. I'm mm. sure. Yeah. So you feel sorry for Marion. So Marion's in that scene with with she's being bitched at by Caroline, the passage cock character. She's being sort of looked down on by the two guys, isn't she, Mister Lowry and, mm. and Cassidy? And the way Cassidy just comes over and, and waves the money in an, under her nose, you want her to take it, don't you? Mm. You're just like willing her to do it. And he is flirting with her, but in that really sleazy, yeah. you, I can have one. any, but yeah. I can have any girl I want. Yeah. I'm fat, middle-aged and rich, and yeah. I fuck girls like you every day of the week. For yeah. breakfast. For breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't seen every friend. No, well, no. <laughs> no money would buy me off that. <laughs> No, and the best, obviously, the best, the, one of the best lines in the film is "I'll lick the stamps." Yeah, I yeah. made a note of that one when I said my wife for alimony, you can lick the stamp. Yeah, and he says, "I'll lick the stamp." I'll yeah. lick the stamp. Well, you was, wouldn't you? So it's it's yeah. sad. There's quite a lot of sadness in yeah. that line as yeah. well, isn't it? Long in, isn't there? Tired of sweating for people who aren't there. I sweat to pay off my father's debts, and he's at his grave. I sweat to pay my ex-wife alimony, and she's living on the other side of the world somewhere. I pay too. They also pay who meet in hotel rooms. A couple of years and my debts will be paid off. If she remarries, the Illinois stops. I haven't even been married once yet. Yeah, but when you do, you'll swing. Oh, Sam, let's get married. Yeah. And live with me in a storeroom behind a hardware store in Fairvale. We'll have lots of laughs. I'll tell you what, when I send my ex-wife for alimony, you can lick the stamps. I'll lick the stamps. 
Sorry, and you want to cut this off? Go out and find yourself somebody available. I'm thinking of it. Um, she just wants to be. She just wants to be settled down and happy, doesn't she? And she's like thirty-ish, and mm. it just hasn't happened for her. Because she's like, doesn't she? You've been I've been working there for ten years, so yeah. she'll be trustworthy by now. Yeah, I think she's just. She was an idiot to try and steal that money because she's the most professor criminal I've ever seen in my life. But that makes her likeable, though. It does. Because she just so doesn't know what she's doing, does she? She's pathetic, though. Mm. Like, she makes I, all the wrong I'm not a criminal, but I could definitely do a lot better than this. <laughs> she does all the wrong things, and she makes herself look guilty. She Have is, I broken your name, Lars? Yeah, she bumps into the boss while she's doing it. Yeah, you know, and runs him over. <laughs> <laughs> and looks guilty at him. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just everything. And um, trying she to buys a salesman. Buys a new getaway car while the policeman, who she just thinks watching. is following, <laughs> like she's trying to get a new car to get away from the policeman by buying it in front of him. Yeah, yeah. Where's the logic? He's, <laughs> he's so sinister. That's it. Do so you think sinister. he's scary? Because I, f- I find yeah, him really it, scary. The way it's shot, where it's just his face looking yeah. into the window, is is yeah. really scary. Yeah, and he doesn't follow it any further than that. Mm. Does he? So therefore. I mean, he, is he, he just like a he pulls off doesn't he and then finds it again in town yeah. assuming she's probably going to go and buy a car yeah I'm guessing that's what that was I just think he's a bit creepy but then fate sort of takes over doesn't it because the storm comes and then mm. Norman comes and but the, the, an interesting thing about the policeman that I read was that the guy who played him um, originally the policeman wasn't actually written to be scary mm. but at the last minute he decided to put shades on and the fact that he's wearing the sunglasses made him scary, so he mm. just said, keep them on. Yeah. So he, he was he was, he was was originally, I think, was meant to be flirting with her. So it was meant to be another guy who was trying to chime in on with her. Uh-huh. Um, and, he, you know, so, but I think... That makes it so much better. I think that's scary. Not, mm. yeah. not being able to see his eyes, it just well, makes a huge difference. That's like a, a psychological thing. I was reading a thing about that the other day, uh, this Ghost in the Shell film that's out. There's, like, robots in it, but they've got no eyes. And he said, that's, like, that messes with your brain and it yeah. is scary when you can't yeah. see someone's eyes. That's what makes Michael Myers scary yeah. in Halloween. And mm. that's who he reminds me of. Mm. And the bit where he's following her and the car's just going really slow makes me think of Halloween. Yeah. And then when he gets out and he stands and just watches her while she's at the, she's at yeah. the car. Yeah. Showing. He's just leaning that's on his car, isn't he, watching? That, that's Michael Myers again. There's so many little Halloween nods mm. in this film. Um... So yeah, so she buys a car from California, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't want you. I don't want you telling people you got a bad deal from yeah, California, yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you notice the um, the registration on the first car spells out anal? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, and there are there are there is a school of thought that that was on purpose. That was one of Hitchcock's naughty jokes. Yeah. Probably. But I don't know. I don't know how you'd miss it. Yeah. You're making the set, isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while she's driving, one of my favourite things about this film is when she's hearing the voices in her head because that's, what, that's, that's mm-hmm. what I do all the time. <laughs> I play out every worst possible scenario and yeah. to the point of like the, the tiny, tiny. Yeah, she, she imagines the conversation that they have on Monday morning and everybody yeah. finds out the money's not there. Yeah. It's, it's just so, so clever because it's because you know it is it is her imagination. But actually, it's a really good device to tell you what's actually happening mm. without her, the, her there. Yeah. You know, somehow know that it's her imagination and it simultaneously is actually, actually, yeah. actually yeah. happening. I think Hitch was actually speaking the words to her, wasn't she? Wasn't he? While they were filming it, I think he was reading the script in her face or someone was, so she was so she could react to mm. something. 
Um, but I loved I loved the fact that as it gets worse and worse, and and um, Mister Cassidy is saying, yeah, "I'm going to take smiles. take it out of a take it out of a soft flesh." Take it out of her flesh. And yeah, she smiles. she smiles. Yeah. I love that because she's like, "Fuck you," kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, but I don't took it now. Yeah, yeah. So she's got a really interesting character. Mm. She's really likable. After all, Cassidy, I told you all that cash. I'm not taking the responsibility. Oh, for heaven's sake! Girl works for you for ten years. You trust her. All right, yes, you better come over. Well, I ain't about to kiss off forty thousand dollars. I'll get it back, and if any of it's missing, I'll replace it with her fine, soft flesh. I'll track her, never you doubt it. Oh, hold on, Cassidy. I still can't believe it must be some kind of a mystery. I, I can't. You check with the bank, no? They never laid eyes on her, no? You still trusting? Hot creeper, she sat there while I dumped it out. Hardly even looked at it. Planning, and and even flirting with me. Yeah, and that, that makes her a lot more human again, doesn't it? Just because she can see that paranoia in yeah. her face. And I really love the bad driving effect. Yeah. And I, I actually hate bad driving in films. <laughs> it's a, a pet peeve that, like, even today, <clears throat> you yeah. cannot get someone driving a car that looks realistic. But because this is so bad, it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's just ridiculous. Well, it just adds to that classic Hollywood feel, doesn't it? That, yeah. Um... And this was. Like, he did have colour at this point, didn't he? But he chose to do it in black and white. It was to, to save, save money. money. It was to save money, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, he had real trouble getting it financed, didn't he? So he had to keep on making... It sort of had to sort of make compromises to get it made. And then he ended up... They still wouldn't give him the money. And they were pretending that the sound stages were busy. Yeah. Even though the film industry was going through a slump, so they were completely free. Yeah. So he just financed it himself. And he'd started making Hitchcock, of which he's got invented, didn't he? So he just took, he liked his crew so much, he just used the television crew. And mm. it was the sets as well, yeah. wasn't it? It was all the sets from Alfred Hitchcock Presents, a lot of his mm. crew from that. So it was essentially a TV show, essentially yeah. a TV, mm. <laughs> TV episodes. But we mentioned that, didn't be that good. <laughs> but yeah. we mentioned that when we were, um, when we were talking about whatever happened to Baby Jane, because yeah. it's the same sort of feel, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, and he Hitchcock does mention as well that he's inspired by uh, Le Diabolique yeah. for the look of the film, and that's very monochrome. Mm. Well, they the same authors wrote Vertigo as well, that Boolean Archijack. Oh right, okay. Oh, I think yeah. Well, some people even think that Vertigo was written specifically for Hitchcock to adapt. Uh, okay. Um. So this is the moment. So when the rain starts to come and stuff, the film goes from being like a very it's, it it actually starts out like a realist kind of drama, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Really, and then it just the the, the gothic horror creeps in, and mm-hmm. you're suddenly in that really creepy outside the motel of the highway somewhere outside of LA, isn't it? Bakersfield yeah. or somewhere, um, and the big gothic house, the the big Bates house, which has become really. Iconic, mm-hmm. um, and it's based on an Edward Hopper painting. Yeah, painting called "The House by the Railroad." Mm-hmm. Uh, you listeners can't see it at the moment, but go on, go on Wikipedia right now, <laughs> and click on click on Psycho, and it's there. And if anyone can remember the last time we we talked about a film that referenced Edward Hopper, yeah. write to us on a postcard. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And you might win something. Get someone else to lick the stamp. Get someone, get Marion to lick the stamp. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Edward Hopper, and interestingly, interestingly enough, Joseph Stefano, who wrote the screenplay, he says that he referenced Edward Hopper's paintings, like the the people in his paintings, mm. when he was when he was building an image of Norman in his mind. 
So he sort of so the house was based on Hopper and Norman was based. It's about American loneliness, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where the, that's why that's linked so well. So Norman comes down to greet Marion in the rain, and shows her in to the now iconic Bates Motel. So can we talk about Norman? Norman, he's just lovely, isn't he? He is. He's just uh, he's just so well um, acted. He's very preppy, isn't he? And yeah. though he's not a boy, he's very boyish and preppy yeah. and he's shy vulnerable and vulnerable and quite warm but I think the more you watch it the more you feel like this is sort of accidental yeah. warmth yeah. he manages to be warm but it feel, it almost feels accidental each time he's yeah. he's managing it yeah I just want to give him a hug yeah a little cuddle it's so okay. funny it's, he's so well played because up until the shower scene you could actually think that this film's going to be like a sort of rom- romance mm-hmm. or, yeah. or or she's going to be torn between Norman and Sam or the bad boy like, yeah the bad I mean apart from the big horrible gothic mansion in the background that tells you this is now a horror movie mm-hmm. and the music the foreboding and that takes you to that to that point anyway you know something bad's going to happen even if you didn't know what was what the film was about, there's there's such a sense of foreboding and doom, isn't there, in, in the first half, mm. that you know something's going to happen. However, the way Norman is played, it, it could just turn out to be some sort of mm. film noir type mm. romance where he wants to get the money off her or something along those lines. You've got well, no he never idea. he never even knows the money exists, does mm-hmm. he? That's one of the, the the plot devices. He never knows. He just throws it away casually because it's hidden in the paper. So mm. it's, it's not about money for him. It's mm. just. That's why Hitchcock called him MacGuffin, isn't it? Yeah. And then Marion becomes the MacGuffin. Yeah, I think Marion more than the money. Well, yeah, I suppose because they're looking for the money. They're looking for air, but only because he stole the money. Yeah, and I love how repressed he is and how well he plays it, and that he can't say he can't say the word toilet, can he, or bathroom? No. He's like he's just has to sort of point. Yeah. Out. The first scene where they sit down in, in the parlor, it's just so captivating. Mm. The acting and everything, it's so good. I was like, it was like I need to make some notes on this, but it's just so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I was struggling to not concentrate on mm. it. It was so yeah. good. I think that's possibly one of the best scenes in any film yeah. ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I just... Every I interaction think, tells you everything you need to know about both characters. That one. Yeah. And then when the detective turns up, and when the detective's talking to him as well, that's amazing. Both those scenes. There's just two of the best scenes in any film. I love that scene when the detective he's, turns up. He's just questioning him, isn't he? But yeah. it's, just, it's just so good. The bit where Norman leans over the camera while he's eating. I just love it. And you just see him from the bottom of his chin. Such a great shot. Um, but the really so the really interesting thing about that scene with Norman and Marion, apart from having so many good lines like we all go a little mad sometimes, mm. a boy's best friend. Yeah. Um, I also want to taste her cheese sandwich <laughs> <laughs> as well. <laughs> Don't know why, just do. Well, that's um, what it says, it says oh, um, do you want to stay for supper? It's only it's only sandwiches and milk, but you know you can stay. That's boyish and as well. And again, there's innocence to it. Like, that's mm. what a kid is after. And he won't supper. eat in the room as well. He has to take it to the parlour. Like, yeah. he won't go into the bedroom. Because there's a bed there. Yeah. 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 It's really innocent too. Yeah. My, my hobby like is that. stuffing things. That's a great line. <laughs> yeah. I love, the, like, the saddest moment in that scene for me is when he said, um, he turns to him and says, you've never had an empty moment in your life. Mm. And I thought that was quite, like, a poignant line. Yeah. that just speaks a lot about him. Yeah. Not her. Just one of these city city folk. Yeah. Is your time so empty? No. Well, I, I run the office and uh, tend the cabins and grounds and, and do little uh, errands for my mother, the one she allows I might be capable of doing. Do you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. 
You've never had an empty moment in your entire life, have you? Only my share. Where are you going? I didn't mean to pry. I'm looking for a private island. What are you running away from? Why do you ask that? No. People never run away from anything. The rain didn't last long, did it? You know what I think? I think that... we're all in our private traps, clamped in them, and none of us can ever get out. We scratch and, and claw, but only at the air, only at each other. And for all of it, we never budge an inch. Sometimes we deliberately step into those traps. I was born in mine. I don't mind it anymore. Oh, but you should. You should mind it. Oh, I do. <laughs> but I say I don't. You know, if anyone ever talked to me the way I heard, the way she spoke to you. Sometimes, when she talks to me like that, I feel I'd like to go up there and curse her and, and, and leave her forever. Or at least a fire. But I know I can't. Mm. There's the complexity to it, is, to that writing is, is amazing. Um, because she, it's her meeting Norman and her sympathising with him and him, him sort of sympathising with her. It's her spotting that he's trapped in his in his little world mm. that makes her think I can't be like that I can't I'm, I'm sort of getting myself into into something that's going to trap me I can't be like him so it's like it's like he inspires her to mm. change her mind and there's, save herself there's some dialogue yeah absolutely anyway. and there's some dialogue yeah. there isn't it like where he says we're, we're all we're all in our private traps and we can never get out and nobody says I was born in mine yeah yeah um, doesn't she even say I've got my own trap in Phoenix that yeah. I'm going to get back to yeah yeah, yeah. it's brilliant it's, like, just, it's just so sad that he inspires her to, to, mm. to make the change and save herself and then yeah. spoiler he kills us just before then the, the, there's a line that I found really sad um, where he's talking about his mother and I think Marion questions questions him about that and asks him why you you don't seem to like her very much and he responds saying no I don't hate her I hate what she's become well when you know the ending of the film yeah. you realise just how poignant that is because she's become him, she's become him. <laughs> yeah. so he hates him he, yeah this is all about his, yeah. his self hatred yeah. yeah yeah he kind of plays I like Jordan when she starts to press pressure on him about where he's still there with his mm. mum and what he could do with the home and stuff like that the way he flits into like little moments of darkness yeah. but then as quick as he's gone into that moment of like anger he's back out of it and back to being childish and that to go in that range and flick back and forth like that is yeah. just impeccable yeah. it's just so gravitating but also me. he's he, as well I'm not taking anything away from Anthony Perkins acting but he's got so much life experience to draw on because he's talking about being trapped when he was a closeted gay man who mm-hmm. hated himself for being gay. Yeah. 
So he's he's drawing on that, isn't he? He he knows exactly what it's like to be trapped. Yeah. And also, if you look, have, have you read up on this mum? So Anthony Perkins' mum, no. So Anthony Perkins was born to um, an actor, Osgood Perkins, and his mum, I can't remember her name. And um, Osgood was away all the time, on tour and theatres and stuff. So Anthony and his mum became very, very close. To, and he's, he's he's quoted as saying that she she was very tactile with him to the point where her hands would be between his legs um, so they developed a Norman and Norman closeness Creepy. to the point where when his dad came home he hated his dad because he was possessive of his mum and he wished his dad would die and then his dad went out and died so he hated himself mm. for his dad's when? death for his mum and his strange, odd, close relationship, and the fact that he was gay, so he was literally no, he was almost not yeah. Um So he had all that straw, basically. Gosh, <laughs> and Anthony Perkins' story after that's really sad as well. But we can talk about that. Did he some Psycho sequels? <laughs> he did Psycho Two, which I think I quite liked Psycho Two. I can't remember it now, but there was a few, wasn't there? There was a few four, four, four. four. Yeah. Four was a television movie, I think. No, 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 I didn't do Hitchcock, there was a television movie. No, no, no. no. There is the first little bit of weirdness, incest bit in this, where he says about um, a son as a poor substitute for a lover. Mm. And mm. there's... You get the impression that he found that out the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, it feels like we're getting definite into this relationship is not normal at yeah. this point. We know. Well, that's talking about his mum as well, and that's like saying... You know, she kind of resented him. For not being... Yeah. And she wanted to just be single and carry on being with other men, but she had a kid to look after and she resented him for it, and that adds to it. Yeah. So we became so close to her that men who came in had to be dispatched on. Mm. The bit where he's talking about sending her to the home or leaving her, I can't remember which... What he's talking about, Scathlin, he says the fire will go out if he's not there to keep it warm. It'll be cold and damp. Like a grave, yeah. And when you think that he's actually dug up his mother from yes. a grave, that line in retrospect, he already is a grave. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so much more of meaning to it that mm. you completely missed the first time I watched the film. Yeah. So when Marion decides that she's going to save herself, she's going to go and get a shower first. And she actually gets a hair wet, which you don't see in films anymore. Uh, Someone gets a shower in a film now, and he's just like standing there feebly going, rubbing and the tits. The hair never goes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, sh- the shower scene is obviously the most iconic moment of horror. Also, I should mention as well, our um, cover photo, if you will, on iTunes is this iconic moment. Mm-hmm. But it's been recreated by um, my uh, very talented husband, Ben Usen, who's an artist. And um, it's basically, if you zoom in, you can see it's Janet Lee in the shower, screaming in Psycho. But if you look closely, it's made up of um, tiny images of scream queens that have gone after her and a couple from before um, so check that out and you should also check out his other work at benhewden.tumblr.com so <laughs> going to do a sequel of uh, another one with Barbara Crampton <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you'd love that Barbara wouldn't you <laughs> the ultimate scream queen Barbara Crampton but it's all just made up of pictures of her of her yeah, yeah. screaming so iconic huge huge scene um, I've read this famous story about Saul Bass 
claims that he shot this scene. That's so weird. Yeah. So Saul Bass was the guy who made the opening did, credits. Yeah, the opening credits, and he did love the cart, well, cart the animated mm. bits for Hitchcock's other films. Mm. He was like a creative consultant, he credited as, but yeah. later on he claimed that it was him that shot that. <laughs> Bizarre, because yeah. uh, Janet Leaver came out and said, "No, every I was there for every single shot, and it was always Hitchcock there doing it." Another member of the crew have denied oh, yeah. it as well. I mean, you've been really careful in saying we were there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually standing next to the camera, and he was not there. Yeah, I think I the, uh, can't take that, can the most. I think. You could argue that he maybe did storyboards for it, but that doing the storyboards not shooting the scene. No, it's very strange. Very weird. It's and the other rumour as well, which isn't true, and I never thought it was true about the cold water. Oh yeah. You can tell it's not cold water because she's like enjoying the shower before she gets mm. Yeah, she said didn't see if she had to took them like a week, ten hours or yeah. you know, ten days or whatever to do the scene. So yeah. if it was cold water she's just frozen there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so iconic to see like literally today I'm my Instagram, I put up a picture of just the shower head and instantly everyone recognised what it was when yeah. I it. And I think literally this is the defining yeah. moment of horror. It's arguably the most famous scene in any film, really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. People who haven't seen the movie know, know, what, know it what it is. If you've seen The Simpsons once, you probably know <laughs> what it is. Yeah. 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 So many references just in there. Yeah. I do love the, all the jokes with Skinner, Skinner and his mum. Yeah. That's brilliant. They the Simpsons. Really good. Yeah. And um, everyone knows who Norman Bates is, even though they haven't. And the music, the the music yeah. from that shower scene, everybody knows it without yeah. knowing it. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm you the, know you're stabbing somebody yeah. if you make the the do, psycho do. music noise. Bernard Herrmann, we haven't mentioned him yet. Have we? Yeah. No. But again, it's interesting because um, that all came about. That came from Hitchcock not enough, not having enough money because to keep the cost down, he said we'll only use a string section. So all the orchestra in that is just the string section and orchestra. There's no other yeah. instruments. And he even wasn't going to have music during that yeah. scene, wasn't he? He had to be persuaded by the composer. Yeah, he had a massive argument. Mm. He said, I don't want any music for that scene. Yeah. And then he, he wrote a cue for it anyway, um, to show his way. And as soon as, as soon as he saw it, he said, yeah, that, that's perfect. We were in. But don't disagree with me again. But that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, special features of the Blu-ray I've got, it does the scene with and without music. I've got that. Which yeah. is really interesting yeah. to watch. It still actually works. I was kind of surprised. I thought it would be one of those scenes where you take the music out and it wouldn't. Mm. It would kind of play. It still works, but well, I think it. It definitely not got the same impact. And I think as soon as she starts sliding down the wall without the music, all the tension's gone. Yeah. But it's with the music. It plays up until the last yeah. scene of the eye and everything. It's just... Yeah, the eye. Because the, the eye, eye zooms out and changes to the blood holes. And then, yeah. See, I can imagine Saul Bass came up with that shot. Yeah. Because you know, that's, that's almost animation, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You can see that. But, but yeah. you can't direct... That's not directing, no. though. That's, mm. that's conceptualising. Yeah. One thing that they always say about a great score is that, like, it's meant to take you on the journey and be in the background and that and I think this is one of those films that just proves that it's completely not a bullshit yeah a great score should it's, it, a, it's, it's a, a character, character. yeah mm-hmm. like this Jaws, is the ultimate and Jaws are the two ultimate examples of they are yeah the character unto themselves the knife moving is that sound yeah more than the knife itself
It yes, makes it more same. intense, doesn't it? We went to see it a couple of years ago, me and Ben, at the Philharmonic Hall with the live so orchestra. And that was fabulous. So she's mm. dead anyway. And then he wraps it up in plastic. Does anyone else see it? Then she was wearing knickers. Yeah. I have to say, when he was cleaning the bathroom up, I did think he could have done a more thorough job and I hoped he was going back to finish it off. Mm. Finish off the cleaning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm. He does finish himself off in the remake. Yeah. Yeah. There's a wine pile. Vince Vaughn, isn't it? Vince Vaughn. Why would anyone? Isn't it shot for shot except for that one scene? Yeah. yeah. That'd be changed. That's Why pathetic. Why would anyone do that? Well, that? What's quite funny in that though is that Vigo Mortensen plays Sam and he's naked in the first scene. So the bit where she says, you need to put your shoes on, he's totally naked. So there's an added like little comedy elements of the way that the way she delivers that line but it's still not really worth it I'm a big Gus Van Sant fan but it's not a bad it's not a bad film at all it's but not. it's just not there's nothing really there the yeah it's just pointless yeah mm. so this was the um the first time that a flushing toilet had been shown in mainstream what? cinema I knew that television. Why never happened before which one improper. Go, does it go? as being improper improper I don't know, I'm just going yeah. the opposite direction yeah, because it's on film. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that so, was really yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's like there was a poo in there or not, and it was just a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if there was. <laughs> 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 just be kind of a bit shitty. <laughs> <laughs> from, the previous, from, from the previous guest, 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> 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 oh, for me, just before the shower. Oh, she, <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't flush it because she wants to get straight in the shower and it would have made the walls cold. Oh. Um, not that with, the, with the um, with that opening scene of the film of the an unmarried couple being in a bedroom together, sat on the same bed and a toilet appearing, <laughs> it just shows you how you why those things are just mundane. they're just mundane <laughs> things, aren't they? But actually, those were revolutionary things in 1960 to yeah, yeah. happened in film. It's so, so many, so many firsts and so many mm. revolutionary things for this film. Mm. It's like the the way it was made, like the sense of a TV show and yeah. trimming the budget and the sound and all. I say mm. all these first things, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a film, and it's so, and it's also one of the first sort of films of two halves where you follow one character and yeah. then you follow the other. So from here on in this film that we thought was going to be our, our heroine Marion it becomes Norman's film doesn't it yeah. so we're actually now complicit with Norman we're watching him bury a body all this sort of stuff but also what I didn't what I, what I always forget so you know Matt Matt hadn't seen it before and didn't know yeah. shot. did he know it was Norman or did he think it was the mum no he didn't know it was he didn't know it was Norman exactly so the people who saw it for that first time was have been watching Norman in a predicament as the victim because yeah. he's like, oh no, my mum's killed this lovely woman. But he doesn't skip a beat, so it's not. It, but that's give me the impression with that, that he, I mean, he's done this before, yeah. like he's covering up. I mean, up I thought that because I was watching it almost in two minds, and he was cleaning it up and thinking, God, he he's doing that too. Yeah, he's doing that too well. He's done this. You can tell he's clean. You can tell he's been directed and he's thought about his acting in that mm. moment about. Yeah. Actually, how do you act when? How do you clean up when you know how to clean up? Yeah, yeah. Having murdered somebody, and he do, and he he knows exactly what he's yeah. he's doing. It's something yeah. he's done before. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely um, it's really really well played. But Matt didn't. You're easily taken along by the, the so he got by the momentum. Of the, yeah, because you see enough there as well, like of the mother, but not too much. Like you just see the back of her running. It's always done well, isn't it? It's always and there's like the corner shot when it's. 
like yeah, I'm mentioning it. No, and it's like, no, I mean, I'm talking when the next step happens. Oh, and it's from like the corner of the room, like looking down at it. Yeah, and it's it shows you enough without showing you too much. But it's not obvious that they're hiding something from you. It's that kind of great illusion where you don't realize that you're being shown exactly what you're meant to be getting shown. Because mm. you know, because you know that shows. We're skipping ahead a bit here, aren't we? Because that's about, yeah. that's Arbogast's death. You know that shot is completely is, <laughs> is completely um, it's completely awkward, and you you, so you it, it does sort of jar, but actually it's going to completely scare you because that's you true. see you see he's going to get killed before he yes. does. Yeah, you it just is, see it her is, emerge yeah. from and the it board. works. It's incredible. It's yeah. absolutely. I find that that bit. Scarier than the shower scene, yeah. actually, because well, it's just so quick. The way he falls awful. down the stairs as well. It's yeah, like that, that shot, that film, the dolly shot, and it's just amazing. I see that was hilarious. <laughs> it's, it is funny. Yeah. It's funny to see it now. <coughs> that sh- I think yeah, the running past the landing bit is terrifying. The, sh- the, sh- the shot falling down yeah. is is funny. It's it's not that that that's scary. It's the running the across the land, and it's just that. And the fact that she stabs him in the face as well. It's like it's proper slasher movie stuff, isn't it? So that's so. What we're talking about there? Well, do you ever actually? Do you ever actually see a knife on flesh dude in the film at all? It's no. always just, just flailing in front. You yeah. hear the noise of the the watermelon or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah it's a watermelon. Um, so we're talking about uh, Arbogast. So sorry. S- <laughs> so Sam and Lila. Lila is Vera Miles. She is Marion's sister. Worried, wondering where, where her sister is, and uh, knows about the money and all that sort of stuff, and she turns up. Does she turn up first or does Arbogast turn up first? To she shows up she first. She shows up first. Mm-hmm. And then he comes. And then Arbogast comes in and he's like a private hire and he's a mm-hmm. detective looking for Marion. Um, he's been hired by Mr. Casty to find her because she stole all of his money. So then you've got, so then the film becomes Sam, Lila and Arbogast are looking for Marion and they're the threat to Norman. And it's, it is funny, isn't it? Because you don't know who to sympathise with more because you feel bad for Sam and Lila, but you sort of feel bad for Norman as mm. well. Especially if you don't know the final twist. You're always on Norman's team anyway, aren't you, really? But, um, so you have a really tense moment, don't you, with Arbogast? John was saying before, mm. is, is it your favourite scene in the film? Oh, that all, just those two scenes, just the acting and is just so good. Mm. It's, is this it's, being pushy? Yeah, it's, it's hard. It was, I say, it was, I was struggling to try and make notes because I was so captivated by those yeah. two scenes. And yeah. the acting is just so good. I can't remember the actor's name, isn't he in uh, 12 Angry Men as well? Isn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favourite films as well, and he's so good in this as well. It's um, Martin Balsam. Yeah. Because when he's questioning him, and as you said, the, the shot with Norman, and it's like you can see he's needling Norman, and you, you can see he's getting places. He, he knows yeah. when someone's lying, yeah. and Norman can lie to, like, you know, you know, a customer who comes mm. in, and he can lie to Marion Crane, but this guy's a detective, and he knows. So he knows that something's wrong and you can see it's making Norman uneasy. I wasn't lying to you, Mr. Oh, I know that. I know you wouldn't lie. You know, it's tough keeping track of the time around. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, yeah. Well, it it was raining and um, her hair was all wet. I tell you, it's not not really a very good picture, really. No, I guess not. Tell me all about her. Well, um, she arrived uh, rather late one night and she... Went straight to sleep and uh, left early the next morning. Well, how early? Oh, very early. Mm-hmm. Which morning was that? Uh, the, um, the, 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 the the next morning, Sunday. 
I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anyone meet her here? No. Did she arrive with anyone? No. Uh-huh. Did she make any phone calls or... No. Locally? Did you spend the night with her? No. Well, then, how would you know that she didn't make any phone calls? Well, she was very tired, and, uh, see, I, now I'm starting to, to, um, remember it. I'm making a mental picture of it in my mind. You know, if you make a mental picturization of something... That's right, that's right. Take your time. Um, she was, she was sitting back there. No, no, she was standing back there with a sandwich in her hand, and she said uh, she had to go to sleep early because she had a, a long dr drive, uh, ahead of her. Mm -hmm. Back where? Back uh, where she came from. No, you said before that she was uh, sitting back. There, oh, uh, standing. Uh, back yes, there. but back in my uh, in my parlor there, uh, she was very hungry, and I made her a sandwich. And then she said uh, that she was tired, and she uh, um, had to go right, right to bed. Oh, I see. Uh, how did she pay you? Cash, check. Cash, cash. Huh? Mm -hmm. And uh, after she left, she uh, didn't come back. Hmm. Well, why should she? <laughs> Well, Mr. Arbogast, uh, I guess that's about it. I, I, I got some work to do, if you don't mind. Well, to tell you the truth, I do mind. You see, if it doesn't gel, it isn't aspect, and this ain't gelling. It's not coming together. Something's missing. Well, I don't know what you could expect me to know. People just come and go, you know. That's right. She isn't still here, is she? And I think there's even more than that in some ways. You always see him getting behind the lies that Norman tells to himself. Mm -hmm. And that's... Yeah. There's almost that tension of you read we really yeah. are, you're cracking it. Yeah. And it did so fast mm -hmm. as well, he does it in one conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I think it only works because of Norman's character, though. Like, if you'd done that to anyone else. Like, if you tried to do that to me or you or whatever, you'd be like... Your little private eye get the fuck out of me and yeah. like go away. But because you know he's got that nervous disposition, it's completely believable that he would just stumble yeah, about himself. Yeah, he can't he can't assert himself at all. Yeah. He? Because what you've got again, another parallel with Marion is she was a really bad criminal. And he is a really bad criminal because yeah. he's never been challenged before. We know that he's cleaned up murders before. We know he's mm. probably buried bodies before. But he's done it in complete Seclusion, because yeah. he's Edward Hopper, a lonely man in a painting. Nobody ever challenges him. So faced with the outside world coming in, the development coming in, um, he's he doesn't he stumbles. Yeah. He does all the wrong things, just like Marion does all the yeah. wrong things with with the stolen money in the car. Um, yeah, well, that's it. Probably the people he's killed have been like women on their own, and mm. all, you know people that no one's been looking for. And so when the outside world comes into his world, he's yeah. not ready for mm. it. He's not to because his mum isn't there to tell him what to do. Well, she is in some ways. <laughs> so, the, yeah, Norman's sort of web of lies starts to be unpicked, um, and Sam and Lila go to see Sheriff Chambers. And his wife. And his wife, played by Lorene Tuttle, Mrs Chambers, and she is quite camp. Very camp. Periwinkle Blue. Periwinkle Blue. <laughs> <laughs> so did she pick out... So they're talking about... Um, they're talking about Arbogast having gone out to investigate and Arbogast yeah, he, phone, yeah, he, he phones them to the tell them what yeah. he's found, doesn't he? Um, and says that he's going to investigate more in in the house and they don't hear from him, which means, which, which is why Lila and Sam come to town. 
so they're questioning the sheriff and trying to persuade him to go out um, and there uh, it's through that conversation mm. that they find out that Mrs Bates actually died because yeah, they, they talk about uh, or appears no, to have died yeah they talk about Mrs Bates mm. and then the line is Norman took a wife and it's like the surprise mm. and it is it so well, you know, couldn't imagine any woman. Yeah, <laughs> being with him. <laughs> yeah, but like happiness for them as well. It's kind of like they, they wanted them to find someone. Mm. It's what I, I got from it. But it's so strange that he's they've gone to the local town, but he's so far removed from it that mm. they've got no idea what's happened in his life or not mm. happened in his mm. life. Yeah. Um. But the sheriff's wife has obviously been so intimately entwined with that family mm. at some point that she's helped Norman pick out. His, the the dress that his mother is buried yeah. in periwinkle blue. <laughs> <laughs> it's very calm. It's very. And I like the I like when she describes the the um, the death of Norman uh, Norman's mum and her lover. And she says when they found them together, they were in bed. Which <laughs> <laughs> is very calm as well. Um, so they're not happy with um, the way the investigation's going Lila and Sam so they head out there to the Bates Motel don't need to find out for themselves what's going on and then it all sort of spirals towards the fa- famous climax I think you two got to see before that uh, you were you see Norman carrying his mum down the stairs yeah put me down which can, yeah, it, yeah. It does kind of throw you if you don't know what the end of it is you could be saying oh maybe it is something to do with his mum yeah not sure. so that keeps you Keep you yeah, guessing. That's very true. Because she's saying to him, put me down, put me down. But actually, when you're there, when you see him carrying his mum, she's, it's, she's talking completely it. static. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's him talking. And it is, it's that shot again from up in the mm-hmm. corner. That doesn't show you much, but it, yeah. I think it's because of where the stairs are placed and everything. It just feels like it's just this stylistic choice. Yeah. And that's why you don't see it. So I don't watch that and think they're trying to conceal it I'm just thinking this looks really nice yeah it's an interesting and actually, that was something that was changed from the book apparently Arbogast's death in the book actually happens in the hallway but Hitchcock purposefully made it happen on the um, the landing because it enabled him to conceal more from the audience yeah the mm. well, I think the, the shot upstairs it's on like in the slow way so it's like because Arbogast comes in he's not really mm. he's got no fear he, you know he walks in casually and the quick cut so that is so that you know you can see it's happened yeah. it's fast and he doesn't expect it and the audience doesn't expect it so it's jarring to you mm. as as jarring as it is to him when he's murdered yes <laughs> and <laughs> to the face yeah that's very true so um, whilst Sam is keeping Norman busy not in the way I'd have liked to have seen <laughs> yeah I would have been into that I was hoping yeah. there was still a bit of tension there I thought <laughs> Just read into wishful that. thinking. Just wishful yeah. thinking. Yeah. There's tension. <laughs> yeah. Leave me. Yeah, I think the tension actually is there's some. I think there's from this point there's more and more tension between Sam and Lila. There's like a. I think there's a, a nascent romance happening between them. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But whilst he's keeping him busy um, with a good hard bumming in, in, the, in the hotel. <laughs> Did you just, I, my version didn't have that scene in it. Oh, I've got <laughs> the special edition. Oh, enough. It's called the uh, In Your Dreams. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, Lila goes off and is exploring the house and she goes to Norman's room. And every time I see it, I think that he's been listening to Madonna's Erotica. <laughs> <laughs> Beethoven's a rare Yes, I always think, oh, this is <laughs> um, And then she finds his dirty book. 
which we don't see what's inside, but I'm thinking Tom of Finland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's not actually gay, is he, Norman? There's been there no. are there are a couple of like people who try to give it a, this film a queer reason, and I think that's wishful thinking as well. No, because it's all about women. That's why he's so. Fucked I think up. it's so. No, because he's because part of the you part of the reason why he kills. I think part of the reason why he kills Marion in the first place is because of that conflicted feelings. Because yeah. he's completely, he thinks she's hot. Yeah. Yeah. He, part of the reason why he's nervous is because he's got these conflicted yeah. Yeah. sexual he feelings. feelings about the mother has to destroy her to get him yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. actually, the film in some ways doesn't. It, in some ways, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I think it's just reaching, and people think, will always try to read into stuff, aren't they? Like, even it's always reached as, like, it's kind of used as, um, it gives transgender people a bad name and stuff Mm. like that, but even in the film itself, it says, this has got nothing to do with that. I can't, yeah, I can't see. In a very, yeah, in a very ham-fisted Oh, in a really, really bad way. (laughs) Yeah, we'll come back to that, I guess. Yeah, we'll get to that. I wonder whether you think it's erotica that's on his record player, because (laughs) Mrs. Bates very early on in the film, which is telling Norman off for getting involved with Marion says something about cheap erotic music for cheap erotic minds yes she does she does she does yeah maybe that's why I think Madonna's whole career yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's probably it um but then uh, when she goes and looks in Mrs Bates' room and the the, the indent in the bed I always found really strange yeah that's weird that's really weird because how fat was she (laughs) <laughs> she's pretty slim in the last scene she's been shriveled up by this thing yeah, yeah but I always found that a bit weird but I love that whole search in the room and sees herself in the mirror but it'd be, it's herself. like 10 years of dead weight in the same spot wouldn't it but probably just yeah so yeah all yeah. of the juices would come out as well wouldn't they so her bed's full of like dead yeah and it was probably the mattress probably stuffed with feathers or Mm. Horse hair or something, Straw. not like horse, <laughs> not like yeah, not like sprung or whatever. So memory foam, memory foam. So yeah, we spiral towards the climax where where um, Norman realizes what Lila and Sam are up to, clocks Sam over the head. Then bums him, and then um, <laughs> that was that, that scene was missing as well. Oh, John, we're after lunch. Um, it's uh, ten inches long, ten minutes long. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and he races up to stop Lila, but it's too late. Lila's discovered his secret because she's made her way down to the fruit teller to find Mrs. Bates. Creepy as hell. sat with her back to the camera, and she turns Mrs. Bates around to face us. And spoiler alert: Mrs. Bates is a stuffed old. Wizard, 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 old prune. Yes, she is. Mrs. Bates. <laughs>
Never she is actually food. Theresa May. <laughs> <laughs> but drier. With better teeth. Yeah. With shorter arms. And Norman comes racing in behind her, dragged up as his mother. So we realise it was him all along. And is Sam snatches his wig, which is just really uncalled for. Sam snatches his wig. Mm-hmm. Rips yeah. his top off. Rips his top off. Rips his dress off. Rips his top off and bums him. <laughs> <laughs> Over the corpse. <laughs> um, and so there we have the climax, kind of, because then we've got another little few minutes, haven't we? Yeah, like, tacked on at the end. Psychoanalysis, much like in Dress to Kill. They do the same thing in Dress to Kill. Um, but De Palma's made a career of ripping off Hitchcock, hasn't he? Well, so, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So this, this is the only bit of the film, yeah, that I, yeah, that I don't like. It's too long, and it's, it's sort of, and it's a bit. It, it does need it. It needs some of that explanation, and I think probably at the time it definitely needed that yeah. explanation yeah. to try and make sense of things. But it almost goes on too long. I don't give a shit, but the um. Psychologist. The psychologist is full of shit yeah. as well. This is probably sixties psychology, though, wasn't it? Yeah. But <laughs> to get this much information from him and to get this such of a clear analysis, he would have had me to study him for months and months mm. and months to get this level of understanding of his psychosis. But even then, don't they say that things like that in reality don't really exist? Or like split, the split personality. Per- split personalities. Schizophrenia is, is like, not split personality, yeah, it, and it's. There is split personality, but it's no. No, but it's, it's actually, not like this. To have an actual split personality is so rare. It's, you know, it's yeah, and it's not a few hundred people in, in the country would have it. Yeah, but not many people really dress as the mother and go completely believe for sure. I suppose he could be one of them. Yeah, true. But the psychologist is just bullshit. Like, I just didn't like him. It's just to tie. It's just to. It's just to tie it, up. It's just loose ends, isn't yeah. it? And then it leads you, and it's to lead you, it's to give you an ex- an excuse to lead to the final scene where... The final scene is with no, Yeah, with, with Mother. Um, ben and Mother. that's, I love that very, very final scene with yeah. Mother. I think that's incredible. It's just, I like it's it. just that explanation, ex- the exposition or whatever yeah. it is that you call it. Yeah. He's got the blanket wrapped around him, is it? Yeah. He's sitting on the stool. Yeah. Ben Remarkably really looked really first in that last scene. Yes. <laughs> He's so handsome <laughs> he is in that handsome. final scene, but then he goes from being really, really handsome and gorgeous and boyish, and then as the talking's going on and it's more and pop more from mother, his face changes and he looks down a bit and smiles, mm. and then he's fucking terrifying. That's 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 like a real. That's an amazing actor, isn't it? Who can yeah. change his face like that because he does that a couple of times in the film. And it's just a completely different character from the beginning of that scene to yeah. the end of that scene, and it's yeah. a creepy image to go out. I wouldn't even harm a fly. Yeah. And the little subliminal image of the, where he turns into the mum's skull yeah. just before mm. the scene fades out. It's fabulous. So yeah, the really bad definition of transvestites and stuff from the psychologist, which is just. I mean, some of it I didn't mind. Actually, the explanation of well, transvestism was actually was actually well, was actually good, and in some ways was actually accurate. In that this has nothing to do with with you. Know, this yeah. hasn't had anything yeah, to do yeah. with men who. Men who cross dress or get a sex, you have you get off sexually with dressing in women's clothes. Yeah, he explicitly right. says that. That's right. But then he says people who change sex and also 
we would refer to them as transvestite, but that might have just been other times. Well, actually, probably in these times, they probably would have. Yeah, that's what I would have. Because I wouldn't kind of put them two together, like saying it's not them things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas they are completely separate. That's definitely a sign of the time. That's what I was like. And and that can't be. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. Size that, but it's just too long and too. It goes on too far too long. I can't believe that Marion and Sam are so interested. Lila. Lila. I'm sorry, Lila and Sam are so interested. Marion's in the swamp. She is in the swamp. Oh no, she's she might have been pulled off, Alan. Oh yeah. Because the last scene is the car. The, the car up. getting pulled off the swamp, yeah. isn't it? Hmm. I don't know whether they needed that scene. The car. Yeah. I think going out on the face would have been enough. For I think that. Yeah. yeah, I think that was that was a bit such a powerful image. And it's, it's, it's not a bad final shot by any means. And like it most just gives closure to a story that they found her. Yeah, that's and the money. Yeah. <laughs> they found the money. I just wanted it to end on him because I just think that's that was a bit that better. was a matter. That yeah. was like the entire point was him. Yeah, I suppose it's a full circle moment, isn't it? Because the film started with her, so it ends with her. It's sad when a mother has to speak the words that condemn her own son. But I couldn't allow them to believe that I would commit murder. They'll put him away now, as I should have, years ago. He was always bad. And in the end, he intended to tell them I killed those girls and that man, as if I could do anything except just sit and stare, like one of his stuffed birds. They know I can't even move a finger, and I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of a person I am. I'm not even gonna swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know and they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. One of my, my, one of my favourite bits of the film involves the car when he's pushed the car into the swamp mm. and it sings oh, Hank and then it, there's the hawk stuff and moe. Yeah. Uh, but you're willing it to carry on. Yeah, 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 you're willing it to carry on. <laughs> and, but for the hawk, there's a real moment where it just doesn't look like it's going to go. And doesn't eat milk duds the whole time as yeah. well. I like as nervous eating and I hate watching people eat on TV. It's, I've got like a weird thing about it, but... I love watching him eat because it's part of his character and mm. it's his nerves. Because he's it? offering, he gives off, he offers Arbogast yeah. as well, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, it's the sort of boyish nervousness, isn't it, of, of him. I think it says a lot about him. It is completely based on, well, not completely, but it's based on Ed Gein. Yeah, so, loose, but, loosely based on But old Ed Gein gave us a, quite a lot of horror movies, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, this is probably the closest to actually him. Yeah, I think yeah, the other, I none of the other films really deal with his, like, his obsession with his mother. They, yeah. just, they just play up his... Um, Stealing of corpses. Yeah, Ekin only killed like. He only killed. Only killed like two people. Which it sounds really bad when you say it. Only. I must have read. I must have read it wrong. I read that he killed loads of people. No, no he took a whole load of bodies, but he only right. killed two people. Even right. in the special features on the DVD, which I imagine we might have the same one, they talk about how he murdered all these people, and I was watching it, and I was watching it going, no. Yeah. No, he never. <laughs> I thought that, but then I was thinking, well, maybe I'm like, wrong because they're saying it on a DVD, so it must be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
was like, it's a special no, feature. Magic. It's a special feature. It's saying it in, in Wikipedia that you only kill two, so that must be. Yeah, I think Psycho it's probably terrible. gets closer to the, his psychology where it was to do with his mother. His mother was. Yeah. His mother, like, coddled him and wouldn't didn't want him going around with girls. Because yeah, I yeah. think one of the people he killed was a prostitute that looked like his mother, right. wasn't it? And then he yeah. was his neighbour, and that's how he got found. Yeah. But and he um, dug up his mother's. And he dug up, in, re- in reality, he dug up his mother's corpse and wore it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made a <laughs> suit out of it and wore it. So, you know. Nickel belts. In, in Psycho, his mum becomes him, but in reality, he became his mum. He became his yeah. mum. Like wearing the skin. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he becomes his, he becomes his mum in Psycho at the end, doesn't yeah. he? Because she's completely taken over by the mm. end of it. Yeah. I suppose with Psycho, that does what you say captures the psychology. Whereas the films that came after, like Texas Chainsaw and um, Silence of the Lambs yeah. and stuff, they they focus more just they took inspiration from the the physical elements of it, didn't they? The the grim. I get. Gross. I was trying to think of this like Texas Chainsaw just steal. It just feels like the the, um, the skin the wearing, skin wearing and, and stuff in the decorations yeah. and stuff like that. What's Sounds the lampstand. Well, Buffalo Bill is kind he's of making, on... He's making a suit of women, isn't he? So. Oh, yeah. I thought about that. How did I forget that main movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's how she's... Yeah, got it. Yeah. I just couldn't remember when I read that it was based on that as well. Yeah. So the film came out to mixed critical reviews, but audiences loved it, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Hitchcock did a really cool trailer, which I'll try and play on there, where it was like him taking you around the scenes of murders and stuff and saying, this is where it happened. Good afternoon. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway and, as you see, perfectly harmless looking, when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. This motel also has, as an adjunct, an old house, which is, if I may say so, a little more sinister looking, less innocent than the motel itself. And in this house, the most dire, horrible events took place. I think we can go inside because the place is up for sale. Although I don't know who's going to buy it now. In that window on the second floor, the single one in front, that's where the woman was first seen. Let's go inside. You see, even in daylight, this place still looks a bit sinister. Now, it was at the top of these stairs that the second murder took place. She came out of the door there and met the victim at the top. Of course, in a flash, there was the knife, and in no time, the victim tumbled and fell with a horrible crash. I think the back broke immediately and hit the floor. It was it's difficult to describe the way that the, the, the twisting of the of the well I it's I won't dwell upon it. Let, let, come upstairs. 
Of course, the victim, or should I say victims, hadn't any conception as to the type of people they would be confronted with in this house, especially the woman. She was the weirdest and the most... Well, well let's go into her bedroom. Here's the woman's room, still beautifully preserved. And the imprint of her figure on the bed where she used to lay. I think some of her clothes are still in this wardrobe. the son's room but uh, we won't go in there because his favorite spot was the little parlor behind his office in the motel let's go down there this young man you had to feel sorry for him after all being dominated by an almost maniacal woman was enough to drive anyone to the extreme of uh, uh, well, let's go in. Well, I suppose you'd call this his hideaway. His hobby, as you see, was taxidermy. Crow here, an owl there. Now, an important scene took place in this room. There was a private supper here. And, uh, oh, by the way, this picture has great significance because... Uh, let's go along to cabin number one. I want to show you something there. All tidied up. bathroom. Well, they've cleaned all this up now. Big difference. You should have seen the blood. The whole, the whole place was, well, it's, it's too horrible to describe. Dreadful. And I'll tell you, there's a very important clue was found here. Down there. Well, the murderer, you see, crept in here very slowly. Of course, the shower was on, there was no sound. And, uh... 
And part of his deal, he got some percentage points from it. Instead, he lowered his fee, didn't he? But then got he deferred it. Yeah, he didn't get any money and said, I'll take... I'll take percentage points and then mm, he well made, made loads of money off He made millions, yeah, <laughs> off it. Which is really, you know, good for him. Smart. Um, Anthony Perkins went on to um, have numerous affairs, mm. which I'd like to have seen as well. Uh, the Sanders. list is um, James Dean, Rock Hudson, Tap Hunter, Paul Newman. Oh, wow. Really? Surprise to me. Um, Stephen Sondheim. And, but he, he has a, like, a long-lasting affair, with uh, a love affair with uh, like a dancer, a dancer and choreographer called Grover Dale. But he hated the fact that he was gay so much that he actually volunteered for aversion therapy. Mm. Got the electroshock therapy, all that sort of stuff. Had sex with a woman for the first time in the 70s, and it yeah. was Victoria Principal from Dallas. Wow. <laughs> um, and then he married he married a woman in 1973, Barry Berenson. And um, they were sort of married up until his death. But there's a really interesting, which I found today, there's a book by a French writer, his sort of autobiography about coming out in the, in the 50s and 60s and he had an affair with Anthony Perkins and he writes about it in the oh, book wow. yeah. and um, he his name is Patrick Loiseau and he worked for Yves Saint Laurent like boutique mm-hmm. and uh, Anthony Perkins came in one day and I think he bought a scarf or something oh no he bought some trousers which he made Patrick measure them up for out of his mum <laughs> out of his mum <laughs> yeah he measured them up for and um, there was an instant connection and then he went away and then he got back in touch um, which I'm realising is all a bit like the, the which is a bit like this plot of Carol. Who yes. Um so he and then he, he called from like his hotel suite or something and said these trousers don't fit properly, I need to come back. So he came back, got his trousers fitted again <laughs> and slipped him his phone number. And then they began on like an affair, like a really love lovely, like romantic affair for like ten weeks while he was filming something in Paris and then he and then he sort of fucked off and left Patrick. And went back to Hollywood, but then they mess up again. But Patrick was already with someone else by then and stuff. But um, it sounds it sounds like quite like a romantic mm. thing, and uh, I'm going to read into it more. The wife says that they had like a happy marriage; it was a fulfilling marriage and all that. But then he died of AIDS in 1992, mm. um, and you know people say that he was a, he was a regular in Times Square, sex cinemas and rent boys and hustlers and all that sort of stuff. So he basically lives in the closet for the rest of his life, which is it's very sad. really, really tragic. Yeah. Thought to put us all on a down. Yeah. <laughs> so 25 years since Anthony Perkins' death. The really sad thing is, and quite poetic given what he says in the film, is that he, he lived in a private trap mm. for yeah. all, that, all that time. Yeah. And then died. But he was... Um, maybe that. Maybe that's it. His, his performance wasn't so much of a performance. It yeah. was his real life, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Down to the mother. <laughs> yeah. Which is really weird, really strange. Wasn't it Hitchcock knew that, <laughs> or, or was it was just a, unlucky, a horrible coincidence? I'm sure I read somewhere that he deliberately cast him because he knew he was gay. Okay. Because like he knew he'd be able to portray that um, having something hidden. Yeah. From I'm sure I read somewhere, but maybe yeah. making it up. Yeah. Well, I feel like I did. Slightly yeah, more upbeat is looking at John Gavin, what John Gavin went on to do, and he was in Spartacus as Julius Caesar in a in a very hot sauna scene. So, okay. I think we need to investigate that. That's yeah. Oh, like that. yeah. That's Kubrick. Kubrick again. Kubrick, yeah. 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 
Um, and he only got the job because of um, Kirk Douglas. Kubrick? Yeah. He, um, Kirk, it was a different director originally, uh, and then he pulled out because he couldn't he, he couldn't commit to it or something. And Kirk Douglas had just done Pats of Glory with um, Kubrick. Oh, so he said, I know someone will do it, and that's how Kubrick came into his Spartacus. Oh, okay. Interesting. Another gay classic. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, there's not much more you can say about Psycho. Every, you know, if you haven't seen it, then... Sorry, we just spoiled it for you. But go and watch it. It's, it is the quintessential horror movie. If you're a slasher movie fan and you haven't seen it, then you need to go and do your homework because this is where it all began, really. Would you, would you call it the first slasher, would you say? Possibly. Some people say Peeping Tom as well, mm. but I haven't actually seen it, so I haven't seen Peeping yeah. Tom, so I can't comment. Is that before? But, Psycho 60. Same year. Same year. I think it's the same year. I, yeah, I would. I'd, no. go, I'd go as far as to say it's the first slasher. It's still... It's got to be the one that's most... Yeah, most famous. And most tropes that have kind of carried on. Yeah, definitely. So, Hitchcock, thank you for giving us the first slasher movie. A couple of years later, three years later, he brought out another classic camp horror that we're definitely going to cover. It's in our theme song, so we've got to cover it. The Birds, which is another of my favourite horror movies ever made. Um, starring the fabulous Tippi Hedren. Yeah. Um, so listen out for our next Hitchcock special, which will be coming up sometime in the next few months, and we will be covering the birds. So thanks so much for tuning in. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, John will be putting his his blog post on the void up soon. Soon, so that probably be here by now. So go and listen to it at screamingqueens.com. There's also a really interesting blog that John wrote about horror scores. And there's a big part of that about mm-hmm. Bernard Herman and yeah. about Psycho, which is uh, which ties in nicely with what we're talking about tonight. So go and have a little listen to that as well. And um, thank you for tuning in, as always. Uh-huh. And we shall see you soon. It's not as if she were a, a maniac, a raving thing. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes.